on this episode of The Emma Gunn Show. There's, there's this mantra on social media, it's like, no days off, work hard, grind, 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 suffer, suffer, suffer. Yet, what's the point if the whole process is, is, is a suffering? Like, it shouldn't be. And I think more people should talk about the slow days. I think more, more people should talk about the days off. I always say, if I ever work with a client, it's about just being the best version of yourself. And only you know how you feel in your in your both your your mind and your body being really honest finding the right therapist has been the thing that's changed my life i actually ended up getting really bad anorexia when i was a teen and it was again triggered by disappointing a modeling agency because my legs were too big hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My guest today is Emily English, the nutritionist and brand founder who quite honestly changed my entire diet when I met her and started following her Instagram recipes. I have never eaten such delicious, colourful and nutritious food, all of which is also an absolute delight to make. Emily was born and raised in Bedford, and as a child, she aspired to be a scientist. She had a fascination with wanting to be in the lab, doing experiments, figuring out how the world worked. But food and nutrition called to her, and she earned a BSc in nutrition from King's College London. Emily and I actually met a couple of years ago when we were asked to take part in some consultancy together in the area of wellness, nutrition, and body image. And I was struck by her rational, reasonable, and compassionate approach, which is why I'm excited to have this conversation with her today. Her work also extends beyond her clinic with clients. She's also a wellness entrepreneur with some future projects we should keep our eyes and ears open for. To assume that Emily's life is picture perfect, although even she has to admit her Instagram does look pretty perfect, life hasn't always been particularly smooth. She has taken risks, she's made mistakes, learned the hard way, and come up against some pretty challenging obstacles. And it's the lessons learned from these that Emily is going to share with us today on this episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Hello, Emily. How are you? Hi, Emma. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. And so glad to be speaking to you. I actually can't believe it's taken us this long to do it. I know it's been, I feel like life has just whizzed past though over these last few months. It's been, it's been an amazing whirlwind, but still a whirlwind. Still a total whirlwind. Tell me about the experiments that you used to imagine that you would do in the lab to figure out how the world worked when you were a kid. <laughs> So I remember a time where I used to take my mum's Tupperware and go into the garden and try and build like mini ecosystems. So I'd go and I'd try and dig um, the dirt and get the wood lice and like and I'd try and give them kind of food and water and create these almost like miniature biosystems. And I used to just sit there with my little magnifying glass and just was fascinated about I guess just life and how and how the world works around us but they that would be my earliest memory and then my mum would always come up like where's where's that tub I really need to pack away all of the the dinner bits that she just brought out but that would uh that brings back fond memories so you weren't just 
just basically making sludge, which is what I remember doing. Just <laughs> water was my raw ingredient, mud was my raw ingredient, and together they made a pleasing sludge. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a little bit more complex than that. <laughs> I feel like it's not just important now. Oh well, off to the sand pit I go. Um, <laughs> So um, I always talk to uh, my guests about the risks that they've taken. And before we talk about a specific risk that you would say is one that was pretty defining, I'm just curious what, how you would describe your relationship with risk. So I'm quite a nervous person, but I struggle with overthinking before things happen. So I'm the person who will sit there and worry for days and weeks before a big event. Yet as soon as I get to that event, as soon as as soon as I've made the leap, I'm absolutely fine. I'm very good at just kind of getting on with it and being quite resilient. So it's something that I'm trying to because at the moment, like. I have a risk I have to take every single week with something that's going to affect the rest of my life with a business decision, a yes or a no, like which direction do I take this? And I am trying to be brave. And I think brave is the right word because I don't think my relationship with risk is ever going to get easier, but I almost have reached the point where I accept that. And I know that about myself. I know that I'm a warrior. I know that I'm overthinking things. And it's more so now reminding myself, it's like, it's okay. Nothing bad's going to happen. The world isn't going to end if these terrible scenarios that you create in your head um, play out, like everything, everything will be fine. I think it can, I mean, I know that we can't talk about too many specifics, but I think it would probably be say, fair to say that right now, today, as we're chatting, you are kind of in a crunch time and you have been doing a lot of work for many years. And it's as though a lot of things that you've been working towards are kind of happening now. And I think that can sometimes be a, a really unsettling time, emotionally and mentally and spiritually, because you work for all these things, you want them. And sometimes when they appear in front of you, it's not that you're not ready for them, but suddenly this thing that was in the distance is suddenly right on top of you and it can be quite overwhelming. Is that perhaps the experience that you're having right now? Yeah, massively so. I think I have, I think I have a lot of fear of abandonment and loss. So I have this fear that I'm going to do this all, achieve this all and lose it all. And I think one thing that my, the security part of my brain tries to push me towards is self-preservation. So how can I control as much as possible to make sure that I don't disappoint anyone or I don't disappoint myself or I don't upset anyone. And I try and almost control every single part of my life to for it to be as stable and, and secure as possible but yet the reality is life will never deal us those predicted cards like we do not know what hand we're going to get so it's one of those that the more I, I do a lot of therapy now so I see a therapist once a week and I found that's been a massive massive help for both the relationship with myself but also my work um, and everything that's happening around me because I always say like I want to make sure that I love and enjoy the process as well like I don't want to just sit here worrying that it's all going to disappear and that I'm going to fail in some way or another and then not actually be able to just enjoy all of the the wonderful things that have come as a result of finding my love and my passion. 
Do you uh, do you think that you're enjoying the process? And I ask you this from my own experience, fully projecting. I got my dream job on magazines in 2003. I could not believe it had happened to the point where on my first day, I thought, even if I get fired at lunchtime, this was still my job for a few hours. And actually, by getting my dream job, I then didn't allow myself to enjoy it because I allowed the sword of Damocles to hang, hang over my head the entire time. I was just waiting for it to fall. So if you had to give anyone advice who's listening to this, and maybe to me, is there a sort of is there anything that you can do to be present and enjoy it as it's happening? So it's not something that you just enjoy after the fact. So that was when I first walked into my very very first therapy session, the, the thing I said to Annabelle was I'm so petrified that I'm I'm going to miss all of this experience. And the one thing that I found really useful from our sessions is time is not against you. Time is not this thing that's running away that you constantly have to chase, chase, chase. It's okay to jump off the hamster wheel. It's okay to kind of slow down. It's if if you've got the car, don't throw away the keys, pick up the keys, open the car, go for a drive. It's not this kind of arduous go, go, go journey. And I think a lot with success and hustle culture and entrepreneurship, mm. there's there's this mantra on social media. It's like no days off, work hard, grind, 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 suffer, suffer, suffer. Yet what's the point if the whole process is 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 a suffering? Like it shouldn't be. And I think more people should talk about the slow days I think more more people should talk about the days off and and the self-love and the kindness that we should be showing ourselves because that that is just as much success for me like a successful day is a day that I get to the end of it and I feel calm and content and fulfilled and safe and and full of again self-value and self-love because this isn't a journey of, of hate and, and pressure it's a journey of life and what I do isn't going to stop time going any kind of uh, faster or slower. It's I'm just part of this mega wave that we're all part of. And that perspective, I think, can be really, really beneficial for just finding the joy in those days. So this whole journey that is now reaching a wonderful crescendo, which I'm sure will continue, started with the biggest risk that you've ever taken, which was deciding to start your own company and leave your nine to five. What was the nine to five? So I used to work for a genetic testing company who used tech. So they used to swab the person in store and give them a wristband that they could scan food and it would say if it was suitable for their DNA or not. Um, And it was really, really cool. It was a fantastic like um, new project. And they ended up doing a lot of work when um, COVID hit with the DNA profiling um, for, uh, I think it was the the vaccines. Um, So really really fantastic company but I I just knew it was a mundane job for me that I didn't love it was check in check out like and and everything else that I enjoyed was outside of my work and the one thing that I've always not been very very good at is being disciplined to something that I'm not passionate about I was always the person at school who I would I would skip a lesson because I didn't like the teacher's teaching style and I would go and pick up the book and I'd teach it myself like I I'm very independent and very kind of free of mind in that sense and I always knew that I wanted to do something for 
myself. And it wasn't until I sat there in that job and it was Christmas, I remember. And that holiday break over Christmas, I, I just sat there dreading going back to work. I did not want to go back. And then there was a little voice inside of me that said, this just isn't how you want the rest of your life to be. You don't want to be getting to every single Sunday thinking, oh, another week, the weekend's over. And I, d- I decided to leave and I decided to set up my own nutrition company. I, I built my website through Squarespace. I stuck money behind Google ads and did local postings where I was. Luckily, it was a time that a lot of things could be um, virtual um, because COVID hit. <laughs> so I didn't have any furlough because I'd left my job. But it was a time that people were suddenly becoming very aware of their health and well-being. People were at home. They had time. They had time to invest in a nutritionist. And I just very slowly started to collect a client base, build up that client base. And I had like 10 to 12 clients for my books and started to run a very, very successful little nutrition business. And and then through that was where I first started to post on social media. So you leave the job, COVID hits, and you just said, I didn't have furlough. Actually, that would have been terrifying, surely. Did you think, oh gosh, I just left behind that security in inverted inverted commas to start something new at possibly the worst time I think that's one of the best things about my characters when I'm in it I'm in it I if someone said this is going to happen in three months time do you want to leave your job I would have said no Mm -hmm. but I'd made the decision I was already deep in it what can I do like it's it's swim or drown and in those situations I I just have something in me that if I know that I'm doing it for myself and I know that I'm doing it to better myself and grow myself, I can give those hours, I can give those time. And just teaching myself about like A to B marketing. So how you can structure ads on Google ads and how you can test what gets the most engagement and click links depending on your caption. And I learned a lot about marketing during that time because it it pretty much all had to come from me. Um, So if I ever had any advice for someone who was willing to make the leap, I knew that I was ready and in a strong enough position that I could. I had a um, a stable home. Um, I I wasn't going to lose the roof over my head anytime soon. So I, even though I was in that pressure situation, I was still in a situation of slight privilege. So I I knew that I wasn't going to go hungry or have to sleep on the streets if this didn't work out. Mm. So I'd never, I'd never be so reckless in the sense that I would like endanger my life in that way. But it's it was a risk that I'm I'm so so pleased I took in hindsight but if someone would have told me about the risk I wouldn't have done it interesting so which actually what you were saying about if you analyze things before they happen that's where your anxiety that's where the stress lies but once you're in it you're fine and that completely tracks with what you've just said if someone had said there's a pandemic coming (laughs) you would have as I think anybody would, the natural reaction would be to be relatively stressed and anxious. But actually, yeah. once it happened, it was like, well, we're just dealing with what's in front of me. It's a case of control the controllables. Exactly, exactly. Um, is there 
um, a recurring excuse that you use for yourself or others that you think might have set you back? I think kidding myself or lying to myself when I knew that I was in a negative situation and I should have got out of it. I should have made a change, but I didn't because when you're so scared of making that change and you're so nervous for the what ifs, Mm -hmm. you end up staying in a situation that is not right for you, that is is negative, that isn't actually nurturing you and, and helping you grow into the person that you should be. And that could be, again, work, that could be relationships. It doesn't have to be in a singular box, but I wish I was... I don't think brave and strong is the right word, but I wish I had enough self-confidence in those moments to know that that situation is not what is best for me and not be manipulated by the people around that situation. Because I think it's very easy for people to manipulate you into what is best for them. But in in a non-selfish way, we have to really respect ourselves and make sure that we are valuing ourselves in the decisions that we're making. Yeah, it's the good old gaslighting, isn't it? And it's easy to be gaslit, gaslighted if you don't have a great sense of self mm-hmm. because you will defer to what the other person is telling you sometimes. Yeah, I I think my lowest times in my life have been when... I've lost all sense of self-identity. So having no idea who I was as me, as Emily English. And even when I even when I first saw Annabelle, she was like, who are you and what do you want? And anyone from the outside would have looked at me and, and thought, oh my God, Emily, like super confident, got this amazing nutrition Instagram, she's doing amazing things. But I walked to that room and I was like, I have no idea. Because... I've almost become so lost in in my own sense of self-awareness that I didn't really know what I wanted or what made me happy or or what I wanted to do. The external pressure of life almost was was taking all of that away and not from any sort of like self-sob story of my, like it's all internal, like it's all coming from me. It's not coming from anything else. So I just think really making sure that I stay aware of my needs and my requirements and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel fulfilled um, and and filling my my days and my time with that as a balance to the the wanting to grow and 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 push and succeed and, and change. I think it's really important to me and, and also has made a massive difference in things like my anxiety levels. Um, in those kind of like peaks and troughs of of how I feel um, throughout the weeks. Mm. It's making me think about uh, when we did that consultancy session together, we were joined, well, someone else on the panel was Ate Jewel, who's been on this podcast before, who's a friend of the show. And there was a, there was a moment during that consultancy, I did it, if you remember it, but I was sitting across the table from the two of you and I did, I have to admit, I did clench because I thought this is either going to go one of two ways. They're going to put they're going to hate each other or they're going to become great friends. And spoiler alert, it's the latter that happened. <laughs> but at one point you were both putting up across your point of view 
and Ate turned to you and said something along the lines of, but you realize you're at the top of the tree. You're blonde, you're slim, you're beautiful, you're middle class. You've, you, there's no friction in your life. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And you took it like a champ. <laughs> because actually you kind of very, um, you alluded to what you've just described there, which is actually what you're seeing on the outside isn't the story in the same way that, and I'm not going to do that to you. So let's actually get to know each other, which is brilliant. Yeah, but I feel like that's the case with every single person in this world. Like we all have our own stories. We all have our own struggles, our own stresses. And to compare your experience to mine and and invalidate anyone else's feelings because you feel like you work harder, so you can't be as stressed as me. I feel like I have more going on, so you can't be more tired than me. It's that comparison of feelings, I think it's it's so wrong. And you have to you have to bear in mind that every single person's perception of their own stresses and struggles is unique to them and they're not invalidated just because there is always someone who is working harder, is more tired than you, has more on, has mm-hmm. more trauma. Like there'll always be that person, but it doesn't mean that you still can't feel those vulnerabilities and insecurities. And I used to, and I think going back to what Ate said, it's like, I I used to almost feel like I didn't have a right to say, oh, I feel like this because it, it, it would be that thing of like, no, like d- don't be ungrateful for all of the things that you mm. have, where it's not, again, it's not, it's not being ungrateful. It's not just sitting, wallowing in self-pity. It's almost acknowledging those emotions, acknowledging those feelings and working out what's the best route for you to take to, to get through those. Yeah. And it's interesting as well in the space that you're in, in nutrition, I think, is it, tell me if I'm wrong here, because I obviously don't know, but I would imagine that a lot of people would look at you and think, well, you could eat whatever you like. They don't realize that actually the reason why you look the way you look, the reason why your skin glows, the reason is because of the work that you put in and of what you know and of your expertise in the field of nutrition. Because I think for a long time it was felt like it's just a a natural thing. Being slim, being attractive is just God given. You don't really, you you can maintain it or you can wreck it by doing the wrong things. It's part of my it's part of just my self-discipline but also my lifestyle I feel better when I train well I eat well I hydrate I stay on top of my supplement routine I do my little micro habits if I throw those all out the window I'm anxious I'm jittery I'm I'm nervous like I don't feel as balanced and and good as if like when I didn't do those things and of course, like there comes a there comes a point where I know that there is a level of genetics that plays a role. My mum's had five kids and she's still a little rocket. Um, but my mum also has those habits. She also eats really well. She's super busy. She's always on her feet. That's just the lifestyle that she has built around her. Like she'll always walk into my dad's work and that would be almost like two hours in total of the day and he'll drive but she'll make that that conscious choice. And the one thing I think that can get a little bit toxic is where it's this fine balance between wanting to really push and promote self-acceptance and body positivity, 
And then how can you then promote health and discipline and and balance in a way that doesn't feel like you're criticizing someone who's like, this is me and I'm fine with that. I think with the wellness movement and the health movement, I always say, if I ever work with a client, it's about being the best version of yourself. And only you know how you feel in your in your both your your mind and your body. And if your body is stopping you doing something that you want to do, if you can't go to the, the playground and play with your kids, if you can't walk up the hill without feeling like your your heart's about to collapse, if if you're tired and sluggish and you're constantly getting sick and you're constantly getting run down, then looking after yourself is just another form of self-love and self-care that supporting our mental health is. And it's not about looking a certain way. It's not about aesthetics and fitting into a mold, but it's about nourishment as well as joy and what makes you happy and what makes you feel good internally and mentally. And that's the one thing I always push to my social channels. I don't prescribe diets and 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 structures and this is how we should be it's the food you want to eat designed by a nutritionist and joy is at the center of every single one of those meals because food is a part of my life that makes me so happy and even when I say yeah like movement and eating well is something that it makes me feel good in that it's not restriction it's full of color and diversity and sexy, tasty food that I sit there with a bowl of it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to share this. I can't wait to write this recipe up and I can't wait for people to also experience this level of happiness simply through a plate of good food. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk to me then about finding that that place actually, and we'll talk about the food in a little bit. But because I think you're absolutely right, it's there's this body acceptance, body neutrality, uh, love your body as it is movement, and then there's exactly what you're talking about. It's the nutrition side of things, or it's the working out side of things. And for me personally, I have felt over the last little while a little bit in conflict and a little bit at the center of like, well, I'm I'm not necessarily one or the other. I'm not saying anything's bad. I'm not criticizing anybody. But obviously for me, I have consciously over a period of years now been making efforts and those efforts have led to weight loss. And I sometimes get kickback for that. It's as if I've kind of almost, I call it the Chloe Kardashian effect. Like the amount mm. of people who used to say Chloe was their favorite Kardashian. And then she changed physically. And now they're a little bit cross with her. The amount of people yeah. who have said to me, well, I used to like Chloe, but I don't really. And you feel as though you're betraying or somehow in conflict with it. So how, how, what is the space in between the two things? Because I don't think that they are in conflict at all, as you're saying. Yeah, I think the space is just personal identity. 
you do not have to fit into a box for you to be doing what is right for you and it's the same with it's the same with food and movement it's about exploring those aspects of your life and finding what works so the way I move and want to move and the way I eat is totally different to my boyfriend for example you know, I don't sit here and, uh, and berate him being like I think you're making a mistake by not going to reform a Pilates with me on Friday <laughs> it's it's we're all okay to be different I think so more often than not we sit there on social media and we try and look for a box of what we want to aspire to or what we want to fit into whereas we should really be pushing people to kind of get experimental with themselves and with what brings them fulfillment and makes them feel satisfied and exactly with you it's like you can just do you and there's not there's not a problem with that you don't turn around to people in the different movements and criticize them for what they're doing. And people do not have a right to criticize you either. Yeah. It's it's such an emotional lens though, that everybody looks through because it's based on a personal experience. Mm-hmm. And actually I had a conversation with Alex Light recently and it, it's, it's that taking that beat to say my experience is very singular. It's very unique. It's unique to me. And I cannot assume that somebody who is where I was three years ago is having the same thoughts, feelings, et cetera, that I am. And so it really is, I think we have to exercise a huge amount of compassion in this space to not immediately just assume that people are thinking what we're thinking or know what we know. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I think having more people who are out there just being quite neutral is a really important thing. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you about obstacles because you were really candid about this in when we spoke before the show. Um, you've said that the biggest obstacle you've had to come is your own self-worth because you've had an inner critic that's been holding you back your whole life, which made me really sad uh, because A, I can relate to it, but also I makes me sad for you to have had that experience. And I wondered how it shows up and if being able to say that out loud means that you're able to move through that now and are maybe on a path to some sort of recovery. So I often call it like just the second voice in my brain. And it's it's basically someone who's cloned me in my head and no one could possibly meet, be meaner to me than that voice. Mm. And whenever I get a troll or a bully or someone says something like it doesn't even really affect me in the in that sense because the person who sits there and says oh yeah I told you so would be me so I would take that comment and almost I would have already pre preempted it I would have already preempted a criticism a hate a failure a letdown and I often call it, yeah, like the the kind of just the inner bully, that toxic, mean person who echoes my own voice in any sort of situation. And I have like a really big shoot coming up and already it's 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 telling me, oh, well, you need to make sure that you sort that out because imagine if it, if if you look like that on it. Mm. Or oh that picture, imagine if that's that's what the shoot's gonna come out. Like it's it's an inner critic that really holds me back and it's something that I'm really really trying to work on with Annabelle and it 
it's one of those things that it, it makes me feel emotional talking about it. Mm. But the more I address it and the more I realize that it's not my voice, it's not me. Like it's it's not benefiting me, it's not protecting me, it's it's there and I have to kind of accept it. And I think the more I work on it and the the quieter and the less the less power it will have over me. But it's sad because it's there. Mm. And if I think of all of the things that I want to do with freedom of thought and and joy, it's one of the biggest kind of set, whole, things that, that holds me back in my life. Were you bullied at school? I wasn't bullied, but I, I'd say I'd struggled to find my place for a while. Like I changed schools when I was a little bit older. Um... I found a group of friends. I got a little bit bullied by a girl in that group of friends, found another group of friends. And one thing was that I never felt like I was quite good enough or like I've I've quite belonged anywhere. And I have the most incredible family, but I'm the kind of middleman in that. My mum had three kids under the age of three when I was about eight years old and I'm like being really honest like my life pretty much ended there as a child I my granddad was the only person who used to take me and my brother to like uh, an event or or, 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 a, or a day out and I became a support I became a, a helper outer I became uh, someone who would help my mom with the cooking with the cleaning with the looking after the kids and in that I just remember a period of of time where I didn't feel very seen and I didn't feel like my brother was much smarter than me. My brother got much better grades than me. I was a good runner, but I wasn't anywhere near enough to kind of be qualified for a championship. Uh, I could play music, but I wasn't disciplined and brilliant in that. So I always just felt like I was that midman. And I think... I think constantly going through your life, especially when you're younger, never quite feeling seen or good enough creates this own internal narrative of that voice that came. The voice that came to basically protect me because I thought the worst before anyone else could tell me the worst. Because if I'd already thought it, it was like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. So I don't feel disappointed. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. There's like toxic self-protection. Yeah. It's a weird self-preservation mechanism mm-hmm. to kind of, I will preempt what the worst bully is going to say. And, but then it becomes your voice. It becomes your voice somewhere along the line. It becomes you're in a monologue and then that becomes terribly poisonous. Yeah, and uh, it's years and years of habit formation that I'm now trying to break. So have the micro habits, you mentioned micro habits a minute ago, and I, I love a habit, I really do, because because absolutely, consistent effort over time equals results. So do you think that it's the micro habits that have been the thing that have helped you piece together some of the whys for why you maybe feel the way you do about certain things, but have also allowed you to make progress and feel stronger because it does seem as though 
this is a journey and you have made a heck of a lot of progress. Mm. Being really honest, finding the right therapist has been the thing that's changed my life. Mm. And I feel like I know more about myself now than I have ever. And that's because even though I've been resilient enough to go through my journey of all the things that have happened to me and and kind of keep all going and 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 stay stay quite strong and 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 sound mentally, it's been working with Annabelle that's helped me identify the whys, helped me identify those those patterns and those habits and really just click things into place. And that's why I'm just the biggest advocate for therapy talk to someone because I didn't even think that I needed it that much and I went and I realized that the the level of housekeeping that we need to do just to be able to process our lives is is massive you don't need to have anything wrong with you to go and see a therapist you can just go and see a therapist Mm. to talk for a few sessions and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't I think one of the interesting things about therapy that no one tells you (laughs) is that in that process of becoming self-aware or or not just self-aware, but of realizing the patterns of really taking a minute to, to dig deep into the past and understand how it's informing the present and potentially the future, you go through a period of grieving of, um, of, of sadness about, because you see with clarity what you missed out on or what you held yourself back from or how that thing that you didn't you knew was important but didn't realize it was such a big deal how massive an impact it had and I think that for me with the therapy process was actually really confronting and quite scary was the kind of oh god I've missed out on so much I wish I'd done this sooner or I didn't realize that that small thing meant that there's so much I said no to and it was when I was reading your answers to opportunity and you said that you you actually said, I let my youth go. And again, I thought I can really relate to that. I really understand what it's like to have felt I was in a waiting room and had to wait for things to be a certain way or I had to be a certain way before I could fully live. It was that. Is that what you mean when you say I let my youth go? Massively so. And I I think... I I grew up very quickly and I felt a very daunting amount of responsibility from a very young age and I got into relationships that like that stole my youth that stole my sense of freedom and joy and and the world was my oyster like I I never had that moment I always felt like I had to be a certain way or I had to be a certain person to please, to seek approval, to do the right thing, to be a good girl, to to be a great girlfriend, be a, like all of these things. And in that, I never, ever once turned around and thought, oh, what do I want was the right question to ask. Because what do I want? It's like, don't be selfish. The world doesn't revolve around you. And it's not about that because you can be the best person when you are the best person to yourself, to to the people that are around you and close to you. It's a performance, isn't it? You're performing, you're you're performing what you think will be palatable to the people around you, whether it's employers, colleagues, family, partners. And 
mean, you only have to speak to people who work on the West End who do eight shows a week. It's tiring. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. And, but you reach a point that you have to trust sometimes that you will find and and understand who you are at the right moment in your life Mm. and we're not meant to go through life being this perfect well put together I know exactly who I am I know exactly what I want all the time I'm having a wobble week and that's fine I'll I'll accept that last week I was on cloud nine I felt great really strong mentally it ebbs and flows and I'm not going to feel disappointed in myself for not being as strong this week that's just part of being human and and part of life and can't wait for my therapy session (laughs) (laughs) um that's a really that's a really good point actually I think um yeah the good days and the bad days are are equally important and actually you're so right to exercise a bit of compassion just say you know what I'm not feeling it today so I'm going to do I'm going to do my best but my best isn't perhaps going to be as good as it sometimes can be, but hey, yeah. tomorrow might be excellent. Exactly. exactly. Um, we have to talk. We have to talk about your recipes. <laughs> well, we have to talk about. So, to, well, actually, before we talk about the recipes, we have to talk about nutrition as a whole. In terms of, you said that you were doing the job and you were clocking in and clocking out, and you wanted to do something that gave you joy. What is it about what the what you do now that really gives you joy? Because First of all, you can see it and you can feel it in your content. Like this is something that is, you can clearly see it's just who you are and you're really good at it. I love food. I love food. Like I, I live for it. I eat my breakfast. I think about lunch. If I, if I'm hosting people, I think all week about, okay, like what emotion do I want to get across? If I go home and even if I make like a little lunch for my family, I just, it's an expression of me. It's how I show I care. It's how I show my emotions, my feelings. And there's just nothing more connecting for me than a plate of food. And I think there's not enough a line is never drawn between delicious, yummy food and then nutrition. And mm. I know that because as soon as I go to any event, as soon as I go to any sort of networking thing and they say, oh, what do you do? I say, oh, I'm a nutritionist. The eyes immediately roll or they'll be holding a canopy and be like, oh, don't, don't, oh, don't watch me eat this then. It's that constant kind of jump to, oh, I'm judging you for your food choices. Mm. Whereas food is not good or bad it's not the enemy there's not a perfect diet or a perfect way of eating there's a pattern and a behavior around food which is great for you and it's going to make you feel really good but the the joy comes from just pure pure identity through what I do through that medium of food like it's it's like my soul just feels so at home when I'm in the kitchen the one thing I was going to ask you though about it is by in creating the content that you do, and if you're not following Emily, then please go and follow her. But her recipes aren't only delicious, but they're really beautifully filmed. And I know that that takes time and effort because filming your quality of content does not just happen by haphazardly holding a camera as I have done in the past when I've made any kind of food content. And so the one thing I wanted to ask you is this. So I work out in the morning and then I will put my makeup on 
And those are both quite important parts of my professional identity as well. Talk about it on my Instagram, uh, talk about it on here in terms of fitness. And I've been a be- in the beauty space for 20 years. So every time I work out and I don't somehow capture it, there's a part of me that feels a bit guilty. And if I do my makeup and then I haven't filmed it, I'll sometimes think, oh, is that a wasted opportunity? Could I have created some content out of that? And I wondered if that shows up in your life when you're eating three times a day and you don't record it and you think, oh, should I have made that into a reel? Is it hard to put the the work switch off when you do what you do with something that features in every single day? It's a really great question, actually. Um, Weirdly, I feel like social media now is such a natural extension of my day to day anyway, that I do it without even thinking. It's a genuine, like, I feel like my followers are my friends. I feel like they're my family, my community. And whenever I do something that's yummy, I can't wait to take a picture and put it on. And if, for example, I eat lunch and it's not that very aesthetically pleasing, I probably wouldn't put it on the gram. Um, And I'm fine with that. So I think when it comes to balance, there are lots of things I don't share in my life. Mm. Um, But the the things that I do and the level of desire for me wanting to share that is it comes from a really positive place. Like it comes from a place of this is, these are the people who are basically responsible for my whole growth. They are are my wonderful community and I want to just chat with them and, and, and share with them all of those, those moments. But yeah, there are a lot, there are a lot of failed omelets that don't really make it onto the, uh, onto these the story frames surely not now you have the always pan which I now subsequently have because you have it <laughs> yeah I do I love it but you know sometimes if I if I just don't get the temperature quite right and it sticks yeah. and then I'm just yeah, there yeah. like I just scrape the omelet from the bottom of the pan yeah they those don't go up but maybe I should maybe I should just be a little bit more non-perfectionism um in the the sense and sometimes sometimes I actually feel a little bit guilty that I always put across this perfectly put together person and image because I'm obviously building a brand I'm building M nutritionist and and I want that to be a level of inspiration and aspiration but in a positive place and I've recently been thinking especially when I've had like a little bit of a low week like this week I'm like what if what would I want to see when I feel like this and I think staying in tune and in touch with the people who follow you and making sure that you are being responsible as a content creator to, of course, show beautiful, well put together, thought out content. Like I love producing good content, but also showing the flawed side, I think Mm -hmm. is something that I'm just being like a little bit more aware of that I should be doing more of. This might be me projecting a little bit and long-time listeners will know and you obviously know, but it has taken me many, many years to be able to enjoy food guilt-free. I don't have the anxiety before I eat anymore and I don't have the guilt after I eat anymore because of the choices that I've subsequently learned to make. Have you ever had any... Because I, I am so envious of people who have never had that with food. Have you always had an, a frictionless relationship with food? So I actually ended up getting really bad anorexia when I was a teen. And it was, again, triggered by 
disappointing a modeling agency because my legs were too big. So I'd had an amazing summer. I'd been away. I'd been to America. I'd eaten all the food, all the hot dogs, all the baseball games, milkshake, all the good stuff, the stuff that was like part of those trips. And I remember feeling like such a failure and such a letdown that I became very obsessive with food overnight. I had no idea about nutrition. No one ever taught me about nutrition in school. The only thing I I knew about nutrition was all of the toxic diet culture that was coming out for these grain free, gluten free, seed like like seed oil free breads. So I did, couldn't eat bread anymore. I could only make my own bread that was made out of like buckwheat flour. And suddenly, this whole list of foods that I shouldn't eat couldn't eat. And my body became this mass equation. And I remember my fitness pal just came out, and I was there weighing every weighing my spinach leaves and trying to be as low as possible. And it was something that really destroyed my life because I've always had the love of food and not necessarily love of food from a nutritional point of view when I was a teen, but I lived for my my lunches. We used to run to the school lunch queue, sprint to try and get front of the line to get all of the fresh good stuff. Like food was just everything to me. And that period of time that period of time in my life really stole away every single thing that i love because i tried to people please and that people pleasing ended up making me really sick and anyone who's had an eating disorder an eating disorder again can, it's not just anorexia it can be binge eating disorder bulimia anything in the spectrum will know that it will always leave its mark and will always leave its scar and there will be moments still in my life where I'll feel really stressed, really anxious, really under pressure. And my brain, that evil voice in my brain will say, control your food, restrict. And it's a coping mechanism to that fear of rejection and that anxiety. And it's something that it, it, in a really weird way, I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't had that touch with anorexia as a teenager because that was the the spark to make me swap my degree to nutrition and I left the modeling industry after that period and I got my degree from King's and I and this is where I am now and I feel like the the recipes that I share and, and the information that I share is benefiting so many people's lives and I think what I'm putting out now is what I needed in that time. And I always will have so much pride in myself for A, going through those motions and being the person and becoming the person I am now and producing content that I know little Emily would have just adored. And that's such a main, like a core of all of my my recipes and, and my ethos around food is what would, what did I need at that time that wasn't there for me? And I guess as well, it affords you a really important perspective on food because if you're sharing with lots of people as you are, and let's face it, everybody has a very unique relationship with food. I think if you sat down with a hundred people, you would discover re- really interesting and perhaps undiscovered things about how they feel about food, how they consume, all of those sorts of things. And the fact that you have had that experience, I guess, means that you're very mindful of the fact that it isn't just a case of, hey, eat this and everything's completely all right. I mean, I had to, being very, very honest, I had to pull back a little bit with your recipes 
because I was enjoying them so much that I was then overeating them. Okay. <laughs> but that's but, but that's because of the because of my backstory. So that's like I'm enjoying it so much and it was making me well I'll just have a little bit more that won't hurt. So now I have to be quite measured because that's that's my thing. That's where it will go on a day like today and you're talking about you'll sometimes hear that dark voice. So the last two days have all been about podcasts. And what are podcasts? They're they're conversations that you know you're going to have, but you don't know what's going to happen during the conversation. So what happens on those on these two days when I'm podcasting, I lose it with food. Yeah. But I know it's only two days. And I can kind of relax and say, but then the days following that, it'll be fine. But I know that I'm going to fall out of the rhythm that I've worked really hard to get into around food on days like this, because there's an element of unpredictability. What if this conversation goes terribly? What if the internet doesn't work? What if this person hates me? And so it, it showed, the only way it shows up is in my behavior around food changes, maybe marginally, but I definitely notice it and feel it. It's so funny because anyone who hasn't had any sort of like turbulent relationship with food it's like oh it's just food just eat Mm. the food whereas there are so many emotional ties and complexities around relationships with food that the more you understand about yourself like I know my triggers as do you and it's taken me a long time to be able to respect those and again, enough back work. I, I had a full eating disorder therapist, so I did a lot of CBT with, and um, I feel like I painted myself out like I'm an, an absolute kind of slight nut job. <laughs> Not in the slightest. <laughs> but um, yeah, she she really helped me in that sense as well. But I think respecting the power of food is something that shouldn't be just disregarded. Mm. What's the kind of feedback that you get from people? Do you actually get people saying, because I think the other thing that I've done with food before is just sort of to fill up rather than to taste something delicious. So do you get feedback from people saying, actually, I've learned, I can imagine you get feedback from people saying this, actually, you've taught me how to enjoy food again. Every single day. Yeah. Every single day. And it will be not just them. It will be boyfriends, husbands, family, kids, they look forward to eating, they look forward to the food and they have lost weight as, as a side effect mm-hmm. of eating better food. They have more energy, their skin glows, they they sleep better as a side effect of eating delicious, good food. And I always say as a side effect because food should be enjoyed. As num- that's the number one like focus for me. Does it taste good? And I will have a recipe that I will not want to post because I don't think it looks very good. And then I speak to my boyfriend. He was like, Em, it was absolutely delicious. He was like, if anyone made that and they sat down, how would you feel? And I was like, I feel great because I know they'd love it. And I was like, well, post it then. I think one of the greatest things that you've done for mankind is to put up the Joe and the Juice tuna cardo dupe. <laughs> saving, uh, saving many a person's wallet there. Um, it's still not as good as the original, though. There's something about that sandwich. I had it. I actually had it for the first time recently. For listeners who... I, well, Joe and the Juice is... Um, is it international or is it just UK? Uh, no, it's international. So it's International. Been, I think it's founded in Denmark, I think. Oh. 
but the, the spicy tuna cardo is a thing of beauty and you created a dupe recipe and I've made that a few times, but I had, I had one of the real ones a few months ago and I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty special. <laughs> but yours is cheaper and you can make it a bit more protein, um, whatever. Protein heavy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which is the thing. So if you wanted to leave people with, perhaps someone's listening to this, maybe they've been listening to me for a while. And so they've really, the stuff on eating, disordered eating has really resonated with them. Is there anything that you would really love for somebody to know? Like if you could have a message that you shared with anybody who's ever struggled with food or body image, what do you think are the things that you've learned? Not from your own, not just from your own experience, but from all the clients that you work with as well. It's trust your body. And I think sometimes we get so detached from our physical body and our physical, our physical self. And it's when we have that numerical mass equation mindset around our behaviors that you really start to just lose sense of your hunger and your intuition and mm. that whole intuitive eating movement is just one of the most complicated movements around anyone who has a disordered relationship with food and I always say to anyone who's trying to overcome something, it's just trust yourself day by day, small, small changes, like any small wins that you can, that you can find and, and, and grab will make the biggest difference. How do you feel about quick fixes and fads? Because I, I definitely think not just as a consumer, but as somebody who's been writing in the health and beauty space for two decades now as a dinosaur, I think that the thing that we sell more than anything else in this space is false hope and quick fixes. And I reject them, Emily. I reject them. It's good. They will never be anything but toxic. They're like the they're like the ex that you know you should leave. And you you've just got to leave them. I always recommend replacing them with I love a little micro habit. I love if you want to start your day with a celery juice because it makes you feel like that girl and you feel like you're doing good for yourself do it I'm sick and tired of professionals being like well that does nothing or you shouldn't do this it's a celery juice it's not harming you as long as you're still having your breakfast and you're not skipping meals and you're using it as like a juice fasting cleanse Mm. great if you if you want to have if you want to swap your coffee for a matcha because you want something that's green and packed full of antioxidants it's going to make you feel good about yourself do it. Focus on the little micro habits that are not damaging towards your health, but make you feel empowered rather than chasing those quick diet fixes that are toxic and negative, because there's a massive difference between the two. Yeah. And I think those little micro habits, if you do them every day for a month, you can, you can feel the benefits. Because it changes your whole mindset. Starting your day with your own little juice or a smoothie or or like a greens powder drink if that makes you feel good and puts you in that good headspace then that is only ever going to be a positive habit Hmm. if someone is listening to this and they're thinking right I'm going to go to Emily's feed right now or after I finish listening and left a five-star review and shared the link with friends um, is there a particular, are there any uh, recipes that you are absolute bangers, are absolute winners, just universally loved that you think that they should check out? 
God, where to start? Um, people really, really love my um, Super Greens uh, lasagna. And that's a really good one. All my lasagna is really good, to be honest. Um, the sticky udon peanut stir fry is also a winner. Um, and I love, love, love my orzo with sea bass. That's also a really, really delicious one. Um, I don't know, all of them. They all are delicious. Just pick whatever takes your fancy and uh, get stuck in. I was um, cooking for, I had a big family gathering a little while ago and I DM'd you in an absolute panic going, what's a crowd pleaser? No red meat. This person doesn't eat that. And you said, do my chicken lasagna. Well, if it wasn't an absolute, it really <laughs> did go down very, very well. Yeah, it's such a good, it's definitely one of my signature recipes. <laughs> it's so, it's so, so good. Um, it's been so lovely to chat to you. And thank you for being so honest and thank you for being so open. It's so appreciated. Um, I will, of course, put the link to your Instagram in the show notes and your website as well. If anyone wants to chat to you directly, that might be the best way. Um, I would say thank you, but I also just have to say you cost me so much money. <laughs> I've bought protein powders. I've bought supplements. There's so much in my kitchen now that has just, I am a, I'm a fully signed up Emily English devotee and I am easier, easily influenced. Like after this, I'm going to go and have my, is it free soul, um, protein powder? Love it. Yeah, exactly. Cause you, and I was like, well, if Emily has it and it says it's <laughs> vegan and sweetener free, well then it's, it's coming home with me. And sure enough, it did. And um, it's a great recommendation. I think that was the, is the thing I say to everybody. If anyone's looking, for everyone, if anyone ever says to me, oh, I'm looking for someone to follow food, nutrition advice or anything, I'm like, she hasn't steered me wrong, not once, not yet. And I think that's <laughs> very fair. <laughs> it's one of those things that I, I only ever, ever promote or push something that I personally have tested, tried. Mm. Love. I'm one of those people as well. Like I love a product. I really do. And I loved it. Same with beauty. Like you cannot have enough blushes. And in my opinion, <laughs> you can't have enough. Like I just love exploring the space. And I love there are amazing companies out there at the moment doing amazing products, amazing things. And it's great that I get to be the at the kind of forefront to fish out all of the good stuff. <laughs> which you do so well. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your life lessons. It's been a delight. No, thanks, Emma. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gun Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Bye.